section seven of among typhoons and pirate craft by lindsay anderson this librivox recording is in the public domain section seven chapters nineteen through twenty one chapter nineteen the japanese attempt to put us out of the harbor as i look on the japanese of to-day and the wonderful advance they have made in most everything appertaining to european manners customs trades and professions i can scarcely credit that they are the same race of people with whom we had to deal no farther back than thirty-two years ago they have now a magnificent fleet of war vessels and a fast increasing mercantile marine manned and sailed exclusively by people of their own nation the reader who sees them as they are now will scarcely be able to accept as a fact my relation of the scene that met our gaze shortly after daylight on the first morning of our arrival in the harbour of nagasaki mr jewell as was usual had kept the morning watch so that he could see to the proper carrying out of the morning's work cleaning and polishing the decks bulwarks and guns being always a duty of paramount importance and always carried on under the direct personal supervision of either a first lieutenant or a chief officer who is in love with his ship and wishes to please his superior officers shortly after six o'clock in this morning watch mr jewell sends a quartermaster to call nealance and i and requesting our presence on the deck anxious to know his reason for calling us and whether any danger is at hand we soon get inside of our clothing and reach the deck where we find the captain mr jewell and i suppose the whole ship's company having a serious time of it for one and all of them are nearly ready to burst in their endeavour to suppress their laughter so as not to offend the susceptibilities of the japanese who are at present carrying out some important operation under our bows as both nealance and i look at the captain and mr jewell with questioning eyes the captain says to us go forward and look over the bows yourselves we pass along forward to the bows then take a look over and like the others we cannot help smiling at the childlike ignorance that is being displayed before our amused gaze the Eamont is riding with her port bower anchor and about thirty fathoms of cable chain yet here as we look over the bows of the Eamont, we see nearly one hundred and fifty small boats pulling lustily away all fastened to a rope which is attached to the bobstay of the Eamont, and their endeavour is presumably to tow us out to sea when we have had a look at them we walk aft and join the captain and mr jewell who have now subsided into a quiet smiling watchfulness of the proceedings of these somewhat peculiar people boatswain calls out mr jewell call your hands from forward and proceed with your cleaning aye aye sir replies the boatswain and soon the fore end of the eamont is entirely deserted the men having been purposely placed as far from the bows as possible do you think they will be able to move our anchor asked mr jewell of the captain i don't think so replies the captain still you may let a quartermaster drop his lead over and watch 
the lead is accordingly dropped over the side aft till it reaches the bottom but it shows no sign that they are at all able with the power they have at hand to move the eamont from her position after watching them towing away for some considerable time our captain begins to have some feeling akin to compassion on the people so uselessly and ignorantly employed anderson says the captain addressing me step down to the after cabin and bring ah shung and one of the schroffs on deck and we will see if he can talk to them in a few minutes i return to the deck accompanied by ah shung and a schroff to whom the captain explains what he wishes them to do we then proceed forward and ah shung beckons in a significant manner to an official of rank in one of the nearest boats and intimates to him our desire to have a parley this official after taking counsel with several of his colleagues comes close under the bow with his boat then ah shung at the instigation of the captain explains to him the utter futility of attempting to move the eamont while she is held fast to the surface of the earth by so powerful a chain as is pointed out to him by ah shung as it hangs from the hawse-pipe downwards but now that close to the vessel's planking that any one ignorant of shipping might easily be excused for not knowing that the vessel was being held in her position by that curious piece of wrought iron as soon as ah shing has succeeded in making this official understand the nature of the case the rowers in the boats are ordered to desist and after another parley with his colleagues the boats are called off and ordered away from the scene of their ludicrous operations five boats remain near the eamont after the order has been given to cast off four of these boats being stationed at advantageous positions not far from the eamont by this official who seems to be in charge of the undertaking one boat was placed on each quarter and on each bow at a distance of four fathoms from the eamont then after he had thus placed an effectual watch on our proceedings this official of rank took his departure for the shore the effect of this startling though ludicrous incident having at length subsided we are now able with our telescopes to survey the magnificent scene around us the morning is beautiful and the air is full of the balmy ozone that is found to prevail in the vicinity of the orange grove we are encompassed by high hills on every side the city itself which we can plainly see at the head of this huge basin of lake-like water is built in terraces one above another and reaches to some considerable extent up the hill on which it is so picturesquely situated from what we can see of the city we take it to be of some considerable size and importance the houses seem fairly well and regularly built and the roads as well as the streets seem to have been formed after some symmetrical plan as they rose one above another that would really have done honour to the architects of any of our show cities in europe the enormous basin of water which formed this landlocked harbour was not unlike a miniature milford haven or a lawson and it was capable of holding within its natural surroundings the combined fleets of many maritime nations 
at the northern extremity of the harbour and close in under the city at its western extremity we can see much to our surprise a man-of-war looking vessel somewhat similar to the dispatch boats of those days which were often a cross between a gunboat and a sloop of war she was bark-rigged or rather a jackass bark for her topmast and topgallant masts were all in one piece and as she had a funnel we were left to suppose that she had steam engines within her for her propulsion she was flying the japanese national ensign at her gaff end the round globe in it was probably an emblem of the idea which was held so long in that country that they were the only nation on this habitable globe one or two junks are lying not far off from this man-of-war and with ourselves the imposing array of the mercantile fleet in the harbour of nagasaki is complete in little more than one generation taking from infancy to manhood as our standard the whole scene has changed as if it were by the magician's wand so rapid has been the progress of this wonderful nation on the bosom of this gigantic harbour you will now find a multitude of steamers and other vessels bearing the flags of all nations carrying on a trade with this lately new-born nation that would do credit to any of our great trade emporiums in europe and place several of our once foremost nations and their commercial trading cities far far away in the background of the world's general commercial work not a bad-looking place observes the captain to us as we stand around him on the quarter-deck admiring the scene the way the city is built on that hill to the left says mr jewel reminds me very much of what i have read of the hanging gardens of babylon they just look like one terrace over another and on that hill to the right the same formation has been carried out by the designers that steamer inside there has very much the appearance of a man-of-war says the captain and i am rather surprised they did not send her to tow us out of the harbour instead of attempting it with these rowing boats she would be rather a tough nut for us to crack if she were to show fight observes the captain and i suppose when our japanese friend anchored us here it was to keep us as far away from each other as possible eight bells sir reports the quartermaster to mr jewel strike the bell and break your flags says mr jewel to the quartermaster and in a moment the emont is gaily decorated with bunting from stem to stern in order to do honour to those in authority as well as to propitiate them in our favour now to breakfast gentlemen says the captain and we will discuss the best way of getting communication with the shore chapter twenty the japanese officials in the boats come on board to luncheon after assembling at the breakfast table the first quarter of an hour passes off in the usual conversationless manner each one being seemingly bent on satisfying the cravings of the inner man previous to starting any topic that would necessitate the employment of his brain power after the first and second courses have been disposed of the captain at length begins the discussion of our present situation the japs don't seem to want anything to do with us says the captain taking all three officers in at a glance 
mr jewell as chief officer having the priority of reply assents in an affirmative manner to this observation of the captain these japs again says the captain from what we have seen of them this morning don't seem to know much about ships and it is possible they are as little acquainted with the many tactics that are employed in working the commercial world that lies outside of their dominion my instructions from headquarters are to facilitate the endeavors of careero and the japanese who are in league with him to get an open trade with the country if they watch us says nealance as they are doing now how are we to get on shore and do anything we have not spent many hours here yet replies the captain and it is for us to find out some method of satisfying them that we don't intend to interfere with the statute laws of the country as i had taken no part in the conversation except that of listener leaving my superiors to reply the captain turns his glance towards me and asks what do you think of the situation anderson i should like to know i reply where they got that three-masted bark-rigged steam gunboat from if they are a new people and have had no dealings with european nations you have not been reading history lately mr anderson replies the captain or you would know that the dutch have had some kind of a landing here for trading purposes but they have never got beyond that and i may as well tell you that the gunboat-looking vessel in there is a present from them to the powers that be but fortunately for us and perhaps for the dutchmen too there are no people here capable of working her this slice of information from the captain about the man-of-war brought forth a rather choking sensation of laughter from us his officers for we had no idea till then that he had been posted up with all the various wrinkles that were vitally necessary for the accomplishment of the purpose then in view no offence gentlemen says the captain as we look rather apologetically after our burst of laughter at his admission about the gunboat but you know i cannot really tell you everything for some of it may never come to pass is careero all right where he is asked nealance the devil a fear of him replies the captain he always turns up right side uppermost he will swim where any of us would sink but all the same some of you three will have to meet him to-night if we don't hear from him during the day can you swim anderson asked the captain yes sir i reply good swimmer again queries the captain i have often swum from kowloon to hong kong with my clothes towing from my neck dressed on the beach witnessed the drilling of the troops and then swum back again i reply you will do and nealance i know is like a fish in the water is the comment of the captain as we rise from the breakfast table then he adds as we go up the companion perhaps you will get a chance of a bath to-night yet after we had another studied gaze at our surroundings the captain finding we are severely left alone instructs mr jewell to make a general quarter-day of it for the amusement of the japanese who are so carefully watching us in their boats the hands are piped to quarters a certain amount of big gun drill is carried out then we have some single-stick practice and wind up with some revolver firing at targets fixed on the taffrail 
the japanese in the boats look on at our practice with undisguised wonder and astonishment but make no attempt to leave the position that had been allotted to them by the official who had placed them there in the morning when our people have been dismissed from drill the captain requests ah shing to come on deck looky here ah shing says the captain when that worthy had come within speaking distance i want ee some of these japanese officers in the boats to come on board here and have a look-see we'll give ee some chow-chow some winey some beer and have ee a liddy talky-talky ah ching smiles an assenting reply to the captain and proceeds to carry out the foregoing suggestions by getting into conversation with the officials in the boat on the starboard quarter which is the one nearest to him after ten minutes of ah shing's persuasive eloquence the officials in this boat get their men to haul in the anchor then as soon as they have let go of the bottom they pull round to each of the other boats and hold a short parley with them this conference having been favourably decided they come alongside our accommodation ladder where ah shing and the captain are in waiting to receive them on board the two officials after instructing their boatmen to take up their former position at anchor come up the ladder and are received on deck in a style befitting officials of the highest rank a table is soon improvised by the stewards on the skylight and an elaborate luncheon speedily finds its place on the snow-white tablecloth ah sheng proves himself an apt interpreter as well as a master of ceremonies and in a very short time we have the whole of the officials from the four boats sitting at the table the japanese of to-day are to be seen in various cities of the world generally attired in the prevailing fashions which are for the time being the costume of the period these officials were not so attired but wore the clothing that had been in use amongst them for a period of time possibly extending back to their first progenitors all of them were similarly attired in a grey cloth robe not unlike the modern dressing-gown of the aesthetic in our own land only without its very much embroidering their heads were partially shaved in the front of the forehead as if they wished to show some intellectuality by producing a kind of high and noble forehead which even in our own land is considered somewhat of a recommendation to certain offices as witness the many bald-headed deacons churchwardens and vestrymen the hair on the back and sides of the head was allowed to grow to some length the whole being gathered at the end into a kind of queue that laid over the shaved portion of the cranium a strong belt or girdle round the waist confined the robe closely to the person while suspended from this waist belt each official carried two swords one on each side which were made of splendid steel equal in quality to the finest damascus Aching, having persuaded them to accept of our hospitality we were soon all seated at the luncheon-table they ate sparingly of our food whether from want of appetite or suspiciousness of its quality was difficult to determine but there was little doubt of their appreciation of the liquids as they held up their empty wine-glasses to be replenished with sparkling moselle 
a sort of desultory conversation was kept up during luncheon by the aid of ah Shing, but all that we could make out of it was that certain of their countrymen were very much against our being allowed to land on their territory as to our present guests before they left our hospitable table they expressed through ah Shing their great desire to see us established in their midst for ever a good deal of time was spent over this luncheon probably to good purpose for before the officials again took their places in their boats we had become sufficiently friendly to be allowed to handle their swords as well as to test them with the peculiar test of cutting through a doubled-up silk handkerchief when the boats came alongside to receive these officials after luncheon a large quantity of biscuits and beef was passed into each boat for the refection of the boatsmen a benefaction which was very much appreciated by them to judge by their manner of receiving it chapter twenty one nealance and i visit the shore after dark by swimming our official guests having taken up their various positions of observation around the Emont, we likewise proceed about our various duties incident to life on board ship. Nothing transpires in the course of the afternoon to disturb our enforced calm tranquillity. From what Ah Shing was able to discover of the intentions of these set to watch us, we were not to be permitted to land anywhere in the harbour till such time as the governor or chief officer of state had given his sanction and even this great condescension was very doubtful of attainment during the course of the afternoon the captain invites mr jewel nealance and i to a conference in the saloon to discuss and arrange for some means of placing ourselves in communication with mr careero the captain having told us of his anxiety to know how careero was getting on mr jewel asked don't you think we could land at careero's without being seen from the town and i dare say a dollar or two to these officials in the boats would make them blind to what we are doing as far as landing is concerned replies the captain we could very soon do that as we have plenty of force to protect ourselves but landing without their permission might bring on such a fanatical furor as to necessitate the giving up of this business altogether as for dollars they could have them and welcome but i doubt very much if you could get any of them to accept a single coin from you they are strictly forbidden to exchange money or have any dealings with us so it would be a question of life and death to any one of them found in possession of a mexican dollar as we cannot use the boats strikes in nealance the only other thing i can see is to use the water without the boats as soon as it is dark enough i don't mind trying to fetch careero it is not much of a swim the getting into the house if it happens to be watched will be the worst part of the difficulty and as you might need some help i suggest i go along with you the captain seemed much pleased at our offer and as no other method more feasible could be thought of it was finally decided to adopt mr nealance's plan of opening up communication with our friends it was springtime and although the water was not so genial perhaps as it was in summer still it was not much colder than our own sea-coast water in the bathing season 
a light suit of clothing done up in a small parcel and covered with a piece of oiled silk from the medicine chest is soon ready for each of us then we wait and watch for the coming darkness and a favourable opportunity when the watchers in the boats may be off their guard after eight bells has been struck and the usual stir of relieving the watch has again subsided we take a searching look at the watchers in the boats and finding that they have made themselves comfortable for the night by stretching themselves out in the bottoms of their boats we proceed to carry out our expedition to the shore a boat's ladder is lowered down from the taffrail to the water's edge then as soon as we have stripped we secure our light parcels on the back of our necks bid good-night to the captain and mr jewel and quietly slip down the rope-ladder dropping into the water as noiseless as any denizens of the deep we strike out slowly and cautiously till we get some little way from the ship so as to float as deep as possible and not attract any attention from the guard-boats when we have got a safe distance from the Eamont and her guardians, we strike out boldly in the direction of the mansion, endeavouring, if possible, to follow the route the Japanese had taken on the previous night. We do not speak much to each other, but reserve our wind to aid our exertions in cutting our way through the water. We are not successful in finding the channel, for in about twenty minutes' time from leaving the ship, Nealance comes to a standstill, saying, we are in shallow water there was no doubt about that for as i let my feet sink from their horizontal position on hearing him speak they come to the ground with astonishing quickness and i find there are scarcely three feet of water on this portion of the beach don't rise up anderson for a minute says nealance till we have a look at our surroundings for i fancy i saw something like a man moving along the shore there a man where i ask there don't you see him now says nealance yes i can see him plain enough confound him and he is right in our path to the house i reply keep low and we will soon see if he is on watch or not says nealance for several minutes we remain in our crouching attitude in the water watching the proceedings of this personage who has arrested our career so unexpectedly he seems as if he were stationed there for some purpose says nealance no doubt of it he has not moved half a dozen paces from where we first spotted him i remark what do you think shall we go back or swim out a bit and land farther to the eastward asks nealance we can't go back without a harder try so let us start off for i am getting slightly cramped in this position i reply off we go then says nealance and we started swimming out into deep water again then as soon as we had got out of our depth we headed along shore to the eastward we keep right on in this direction for nearly half an hour or at any rate till we get a quarter of a mile to the right of the residence wherein our friends are located we then draw in towards the shore and seeing no signs of any one to interfere with us we make our way out of the water as soon as we touch bottom about ten or fifteen yards from the water's edge we perceive some few clusters of brushwood and as soon as we gain their cover we proceed to attire ourselves in the garments we had brought with us 
while proceeding with our open-air toilette we keep a sharp lookout towards careero's mansion in order to discover if there are any persons on watch this side of it as soon as our attire is completed we proceed towards the house keeping amongst the brushwood wherever possible so as to hide our proceedings from any watchers that may be on the lookout evidently the watchers have been placed on that side of the mansion which lies next to the emont for we arrive at the side gate without meeting with any hindrance we have found the gate which is securely fastened and we have no key how to get in without making a noise is the next question we have to solve so after looking round and surveying the position from the side we were on not deeming it prudent to show ourselves out from the shelter and cover of this side wall we came to the conclusion that there was nothing for it but scaling the wall just where we were you are the lightest anderson says nealance so get on my shoulders and i will give you a hoist up what about yourself i ask i'll be all right here until you get some one to open the gate replies nealance at any rate as soon as you are over i will lie flat down out of sight and if you find no one there you will surely find some way of getting back all right then here goes i say as i climb up on to nealance's shoulders when he has stretched himself to his full length i fail to reach the top of the wall by six inches i want six inches more i tell him and ask can you give me a jerk up look out then he replies but don't miss your hold and come down on top of me for it won't do to cripple either of us is there any broken glass on it asks nealance before he proceeds with my jerk glass no these people are not civilized enough for that yet i reply very good now then look out says nealance as he heaves himself up with a jerk that sends me more than the required inches above the wall top i am able to make good my hold on the top of the wall and after a few wriggles i succeed in working my body upwards and after a short glance over the wall to see where i will drop i land myself at the other side perfectly sound in wind and limb i soon find the door by which we entered the mansion the previous night and finding it open i take the liberty of entering the vestibule and there making a slight demonstration which has the desired effect for in a moment mr careero and several japanese appear upon the scene where have you sprung from asked careero in great astonishment from the emont and nealance is at the gate waiting to come in i reply careero explains to the japs the position of nealance and in a very short space of time he is released from his anxious position and brought in to the mansion we are conducted by careero to his own room where nealance fully details the whole occurrences that have transpired on board the emont in the course of the day how have you two managed to get here if they won't allow a boat to come on shore queries careero we swam ashore and then dressed on the beach about a quarter of a mile from here replies nealance rather risky is it not says careero for there are some japs watching the emont between here and the settlement we did not come that side replies nealance for as soon as we saw the fellows on watch we made tracks to the eastward you were not afraid of sharks seemingly says careero 
i don't think there can be any here replies nealance they don't generally come into landlocked waters do you intend swimming back again queries careero yes sir replies nealance we promise to be back before one o'clock in the morning and if we are not there the captain will be coming on shore with an armed party to look for us you will have to go then says careero for we cannot risk having any disturbance as yet help yourselves to something to drink while i go and have a talk with the japs says careero as he leaves the room seems as if there were some negotiations going on at which we are not to be present says nealance as soon as we are left alone rather i ejaculate in reply and it seems to me there are a good many more japs here to-night than there were last night i hope we shall be allowed to land and have a look at their city before we leave says nealance so do i i reply and musingly add to that reply if you are game i don't see why we could not act the japanese for a night and have a walk round their important township agreed says nealance adding i don't imagine careero would leave us in the lurch even if we did get into a hobble no i am sure not for i rather think we are useful to him and he seems to be deeply interested in getting this country opened out i reply our conversation comes to a close by the entrance of the gentleman we have been discussing the very very old adage about absent personages again proving true in this instance i hope you have enjoyed yourselves during my absence says careero but the fact of the matter is i have got some of the friendly japs here to-night as well as some of those who are fanatically dead against us and these i suppose will want their price however i have got permission for the captain to come on shore and visit me here to-morrow on the ground of my ill health don't laugh for i have told them we have no other doctor but the captain i have explained all in this letter he goes on to say to us and i suppose you will be able to carry it off to the captain without letting the sharks get a hold of it have another drop of brandy to keep the cold out and i will see you out of the gate three half-glasses of pale brandy are soon put out of sight then following our leader in a very short space of time we find ourselves on the outer side of the walls that enclose this solitary mansion end of section seven